Our scripture reading this morning is Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Thank you, Dwayne. Well, as you can see by Paul's prayer, we are going to be learning about prayer this morning. And I know as soon as I mention that we're going to be learning about prayer, uh, different thoughts bubble up within us. Like, uh, I'm just not doing it enough. Is he just going to, you know, beat me over the head and tell me I need to do it more? No, I'm not going to beat you over the head uh, to tell you to do it more. But we feel that guilt. You feel that? Like, I, I just I want to do it more. Or maybe you feel like, I, I just don't, I don't do it well, so I, maybe I'm just not doing it right. Or maybe you kind of have this thought of, it's, you know, prayer is like a pinata. And you're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So, you know, normally, you know, pinatas aren't made out of dragons, but it fits the castle, right? So this will be used. And, and we think, we think prayer is like a pinata because we know God is, right, he owns everything. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He has all kinds of goodies and a pinata is filled with goodies. But our prayer life can often feel like, okay, I got to get the goodies. If, if I'm passionate enough, if I say the right things and I, and I, and I'm, and I go and I have enough time and I just go, I'm going to get the goodies that God has for me. But oftentimes our prayer lives just kind of feel like it's just beyond, beyond my reach. Like I'm praying and like I'm neither getting what I want or, I, I just, or I'm just exhausted and I'm like, well, the goodies, goodies might be there for me, but they, they must really just be for someone else, right? Because you know, when there's a pinata, everyone gets excited, but it's only one kid who like busts it open. It must be for somebody else. Prayer isn't like a pinata. In fact, as Paul comes to pray, he is praying. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father in whom every family on heaven and earth is named. So Paul, Paul comes humbly, not because he's coming with a list or he's got like certain things in view horizontally. And then certainly we pray for things, uh, needs that we have, but he's coming to prayer aware that there's a God of the universe. So when it says on every family on heaven and earth is named, that's not talking about, you know, 
the Scudder family or the Kluga family or the Maxim family. It's, it's bigger. In the, in the first century, when people talked about family, they talked about, thought about lineages and, and, and times. I mean, the people of God saw Abraham as their father. So Paul is really addressing the fact that he is before the God of the universe who is over everything. And, and he's slowing down and he's, he's in awe. He's humbled. He's, he's bowing his knee. Now, prayer in Scripture, certainly oftentimes we think about bowing our knees physically to pray. Now, you don't have to bow your knee to have effective prayer. Certainly you can pray seated. You can pray while you're walking uh, and you can bow the knee, but it's more about the heart posture, not the prescription of you have to do it this way. I get it. Some of us get older. Like if we, if we actually got on our knees to pray, we, we might not get up, right? Some of us are in that place. But there's something that, that's just the heart posture here that Paul's talking about. He's, he's before the God of the universe. And when he goes to pray, rather than, I've got this list of things I got to ask for, Paul is praying out of, of truth that he's been communicating. It says, for this reason. Remember last week, we looked at the beginning of chapter three. He starts for this reason, and Paul's so excited. He kind of, before he goes off to pray, he's distracted, and he's like, I got to tell you some more amazing things that's happened. And he's praying out of truth, and he begins to pray because of some certain truths. So let's just go back. You know, if you want to flip back in your Bibles, we have some truths to be reminded of. In chapter 1, we see verses 3 to 6. We have it here on the screen. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Paul Paul has this in view. He also has the beginning of chapter two in view. He says, and you were dead and you're in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God... But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, made us alive together with him. By grace, you have been saved. And the, the texts go on and on in chapters 1 and 2. And then last week in Ephesians 3, the mystery. We talked about the mystery that was revealed, that we are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise. Now, these are profound truths. We could have sat here and read through them all. But Paul, Paul stops and he slows down. That's, that's often the biggest challenge for us, right? You've got, a, you've got a device, you've got a computer in your hand that squawks at you all the time to distract you. And if you didn't have that, like, we think that we're the ones that have distractions. Like the first time people ever got distracted is when they had a phone in their pocket. 
there have always been distractions. There's always things that have needed to be done that scream out at us. But as we look at what Paul does, we want to consider these amazing truths. And the way we consider amazing truths is we just have to stop. We just have to say, okay, I've got, I've got to stop because the noise is going to come. And I have to realize the, the greatest and most profound things that I could be praying for are going to be birthed out of me knowing what is true. Because as Paul goes to pray, he humbly goes to pray because he knows what is true and he is burdened for the, for the Ephesians that they would grasp what really matters. Because as we know in this book, the first three chapters are about plumbing the depths of the gospel. Before you get to actions that you should take, loving one another and forgiving one another and what, what it should look like for children and how they should relate to their parents and how husbands and wives should relate and what a spiritual warfare look like as we pray. Before he gets to any of that, he realizes there's a need to grasp these deep and profound truths. And friends, I, I get it. You, you feel it when you try to settle down in this day and age. Like, silence feels awkward, doesn't it? You're like, okay, who's, is he going to talk? Like, that, that's a little bit too much. Well, we, we feel that. We feel that every day. We feel that as you go, and when you get up, if if your eyes can open enough so that you can make it without falling over, who knows what minefield lays on the floor of your bedroom to get to where you're going. You, there's just the reality. If you have some time, there just seems like things want to, to crowd it out. And friends, I want to encourage you to em- embrace that, that awkwardness for a moment and set your gaze on the one for whom every family on heaven and earth is named. So just be intentional to say, Lord, I'm going to humble myself by acknowledging if I rush into the day, I realize apart from you, I can do nothing. That's what we're saying. When we go to pray, we're saying, apart from you, I can do nothing. We know that's true because Jesus said it. Jesus calls us to abide in him. Apart from him, we can do nothing. When we pause, we are acknowledging that. And I, and, and I, I, I feel it like, but I got a lot of stuff to do, right? I got a lot of stuff to do. I, can, I, just, I don't need to be quiet because I just really got to get this stuff done. But here's the reality, friends. That the reality is we don't, we, we can do more if we have the strength that he supplies. But we must, we must understand the truth that, that if, we have, if we have a deeper understanding and experience of the riches that, that we have received, it will change the way that we live. It will change the way that we pray. Because our experience of God True satisfaction, the peace that we long for is going to come from sitting at his feet. 
from seeking and asking for spiritual blessings. The problem we have in the West is not physical blessing, right? We, we are here in a temperature-controlled room. Uh, we likely could have had any number of items of food that we would stuff in our bags to, to scarf on the way to church. You know, you didn't have to stand over a kettle to make breakfast this morning. Maybe somebody did. I don't know. Maybe some of you are here camping this weekend, and that's what you did for breakfast this morning. We're not at a loss for physical blessing. But we are at a loss for spiritual blessing because we're so busy looking at the horizontal. And God, God is opening our eyes by looking at Paul's prayer to give us a guide and a manner for prayer. If we seek to understand who we are in Christ, if we seek to understand the riches that we've already received, I guarantee you it's going to change everything. Why do, why do I believe that? Because Paul believed it. That's why he's praying for the saints. He's praying these deep and profound truths because he knows that there's a generous God He serves a generous God. If you look according to the riches of his glory, that's how he goes to pray in verse 16, according to the riches of his glory. He has innumerable riches and he is generous. And we are part of his family. He's not a stingy father. He's a generous father. And he wants us to be strengthened. We want to pray for God's strength Look at the verses, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his, inner, through his spirit in your inner being. We actually need strength. Anyone feel that? Anyone, anyone need any strength today? You can raise your hand. You can be honest. If, if you're not raising your hand, you just don't want to be embarrassed by everybody seeing your hand raised, right? I've not encountered anyone uh, on a consistent basis that goes, yeah, I, I'm good. Like, I got, I got all the strength that I need. I mean, I got more muscles and muscles, like inside and outside. No, we feel it. We need strength, but we don't need the strength like the world thinks that we need strength. It's not external. Yeah, there's value to health and exercise and all that, but the strength that we need needs to be come from the inside, because the more we have of Christ in us, the more we're able to do to serve him, the more our our eyes and our hearts are rightly aligned. You know, the inward strength we need to receive the blessings that God has for us. Because as Christians, strength actually comes from, from the place of weakness. That's, that's where we get our strength from. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. You know, God saying this to, to Paul, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That just seems completely blows our minds. So, so if I boast in my weakness, I get the power. The power isn't pulling myself up and working really hard. No, it's actually being weak. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Friends, we, am, we experience strength when we embrace weakness. I don't like weakness. I don't know about you. I, I'm not particularly fond 
of weakness. But God turns the world on its head and, 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 and communicates to us that weakness is the place from which we draw from the well of the riches of his grace. So if you find yourself in a place of weakness, you're actually in a great place. You think you may have come and been like, I'm weak. I don't even know if I want to be here. I, I'm just amazed that I showed up this morning. You're in a great place. You're in a place to receive the blessing of God and draw from the well of his grace. But I do want to ask you the question, when was the last time you, you truly said, I, I surrender? Like, I, I willingly, Lord, want to come to the place of weakness. I mean, that's, that's what prayer is. We're coming going, I can't do it, Lord. You've, you've got to. I can't muster it up. I need you. Because as we pray, we pray for strength, but let's pray that we would be surrendered to Christ. Because that's what Paul prays. Look back at your Bibles. Look at verse 17. It says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So that Christ may dwell. That's not just like a, a kind of a, a nice thing. Oh, that sounds really great. That Christ may dwell. That word dwell in the original really speaks to residing, to being, to inhabiting, to the place of, of permanent residence. So the difference between just somebody who's kind of passing by, stopping, maybe dropping off the mail, to someone who actually lives there. Not someone who, uh, you know, like the master who dwells in the place, not just the visitor who's passing by. Now, some of us, as we come to engage with Christ, functionally, we just, we tolerate his presence. He's, he's there, but I don't know if I want him to see everything. It's, you know, I'll invite him into my house to, to be, uh, you know, he can sit on the couch, I don't want him going in my closets. You know, there's stuff in there I don't want people to see. He's not, he ain't going into my underwear drawer. There's things I don't want. I want people in there. You know, there's, there's something different when we invite Jesus into every part. Now, let me, be, let me be clear. If you have trusted in Christ, you have the Spirit of God dwelling in you. You don't have to earn that. You don't have to do something to have that happen. Paul's just talking about the deeper understanding of engaging with and encountering Christ. And uh, author Don Carson uh, said this. He said, when Christ takes up residence in a believer, it's like a couple who purchases a home that needs a lot of work. Over time, they clean it up, repair it, and eventually, uh, you know, say this house has been shaped to our needs and taste, and I really feel comfortable. When, when Christ, by his spirit, takes up residence within us, he finds a moral equivalent of trash, black and silver wallpaper, and a leaking roof. He sets about turning this residence into a place appropriate for him, a home for which he is comfortable. When a person takes up long-term residence somewhere, their presence eventually characterizes that dwelling. 
When Christ first moves into our lives, he finds us in bad repair. It takes a great deal of power to change us, and that is why Paul prays for power. He is transforming us into a house that pervasively reflects his own character. He enters into our hearts that we would reflect his character. I want to ask you, is Jesus a stranger to your house? Is Jesus a stranger to your spiritual house? Have you, if you've never yielded to him, because we often, we want this, we want this intimacy or we want this relationship, but we kind of keep it at a distance. We don't want to surrender. Jesus calls us to surrender. There's a free gift that he offers. Jesus gave his life so that we could have a relationship with God, so that we could be right with God, but it requires us to surrender. So if you've never surrendered to Christ, you need to wrestle with that. And you can surrender by praying and asking for forgiveness of your sins, and you can find him. And and when you trust in him, you want to ask the question, is his presence noticeable in my life? Ask yourself that question. Is his presence noticeable? Would other people, if they encounter me, notice that ring on the the nightstand where Jesus' glass always gets set? Would they they see the, the spot on the chair where he always sits? When you go into the the closet of your your clothes, you you smell them, right? You, you know you know people, someone that you know really well. They have a they have a smell. Hopefully, hopefully it's a good smell, but but they have a smell. You just think that that is that aroma in your house. And as we as we encounter that, it's okay if you feel some conviction by that because the Lord wants that to be His aroma in your house. And Paul is praying, and we, as we go to pray, Father, if, make that aroma more prevalent. We are called to be the aroma of Christ to God, to those who are being saved and to those who are perishing. So let's pray that we would continue to yield our lives to Christ, that his aroma would be evident to others. It's not that we push that aroma. You can't push an aroma. You just have the aroma because you spend time with Jesus. Jesus comes in and he dwells in our place. And it's a process. It doesn't just happen and it's, it's done. It's a process over time. As we yield to his spirit and we change and we grow, the aroma increases over time. Because it's, it's a sanctification process. That's what kind of theologians would call this, this term that we're growing. It's, it's true when you trust in Jesus, you, you become part of the family. But then the family likeness actually grows over time. You start to look like one another. You, you've encountered married people like this. You're like, I know they came from different families. And then they got married. But, you know, after they were married like 40 or 50 years, they look an awful lot alike. You, you, you've seen this, right? Happen. That, that happens with us in Jesus. That happens even more intimately with us in Jesus. And as we spend time with him, as we sit at his feet, rather than rushing to try to do things for him, he, he indwells us. He, 
he changes us and we, we have that, you know, others get to see Jesus because they see us. So, but to, to have that, we need to grasp the love that he has for us because his love is what roots us in life, that we would be rooted and grounded in love. Look back at the text so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. The unseen stability in our life is love. Even just think of those words, rooted and grounded. Rooted. Like you think about a tree, it's rooted. If a tree is rooted in good soil, it bears fruit. If a house is grounded on a firm foundation. When storms and winds come, it, the, the house is strong. You don't have to worry about it blowing over. And so for us to bear good fruit in our lives, we need to be rooted in love. One author even talked about this when he was talking about the fruits of the Spirit that we find in Galatians. He's like, love is really at the core of it. It doesn't just start with love in the list, but really all of the other fruits spring out of love. He said, joy, when you think about joy, joy is love singing. Peace is love resting. Long-suffering or patience is love enduring. Kindness is, is love's touch. Goodness is love's character. Faithfulness is love's habit. Gentleness is love's self-forgetfulness. And self-control is love holding on to the reins. So how we become rooted and grounded in love is we have to know Christ's love. So Paul prays, look at verse 18, Paul prays that we have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. I... We don't often talk with language like that. God, give me strength so that I can know something. I pray for strength for other things, right? Or I just pray for a bigger brain to be able to take things in. But there's something here that this truth about Christ's love is so magnanimous. Like we need spiritual grace here to help us to just take it all in to the degree that we can take it all in. But look, that we may know the, the, the breadth and length and height and depth kind of speaks to the reality that, that Christ's love is so wide, it can encompass the whole world. What does John 3.16 say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. His love is so great that everyone in the world, if they repent and believe, can, can receive his, his gift of salvation. That's how, how wide his love is. His love is the, the length. His love is so long, it, it lasts forever. You, you feel that desire to be loved by others. Right? We feel that. And I'm not talking about like an inordinate desire that's too much, but we, we all feel it. We want to be loved. And we've been disappointed by people who love us that, that do things that don't feel very loving, right? Parents have disappointed us. Kids have disappointed us. Spouses have disappointed us. Friends have disappointed us. Jesus' love never fails. 
lasts forever. There's no disappointment with Jesus' love. Every time we come to relate with Christ, he never fails us. He's always with us, never leaves us or forsakes us. His love is long. His love is high. It is so, so great. It, it can, it's going to take us home. We have the promise that we are going to be with Christ in eternity. His love is so great. He's going to help us endure to the end. And his love is so deep that even the vilest of sinners, if you're here this morning and you think, yeah, there's stuff that I've done. I don't, this thing that you're talking about, yeah, I totally get the pinata thing, right? Like, I'm not even going to try because it's, it's not for me. No. Christ's love is so deep, he was willing to leave his rightful place and come and live among us so that he could live perfectly every day, choosing to live perfectly because he loved you so that, that his perfect life and the rewards that he received would be exchanged with, with our sinful life. That's, that's the truth of the gospel. These are big things. I mean, as we ponder them, it, it hurts my brain sometimes. But it's so good. God, God, expand our ability to understand the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. John MacArthur said, the world can't comprehend the great love that Christ gives because it can't understand Christ. Worldly love is based on attraction and therefore lasts as long as attraction. Christ's love is based on his own nature, therefore it lasts forever. Worldly love lasts until it is offended and rebuffed, but Christ's love lasts despite every offense and every rebuff. So even if you find yourself in a place where you failed, loved ones, his love's not conditional. He doesn't go, oh yeah, you screwed up, sorry about you. No, he's like, I'm going to rip this open for you. I'm going to rip this open for you because that's what my love is. We, we need to understand Romans, Romans 8 says this. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Even if you're discouraged and, and you, can't, you can't pray, you have a hard time, his love continues. Because nothing, not even you, can, can stop that. If you've trusted in Christ, when you're, when you're struggling, when you fail, his love is going to continue. If the, the trials of life just keep buffeting you and you're like, you know, it's going to knock me off, off this, this, this wonderful thing that I have with Jesus. No, nothing. That's how, that's how deep and strong his love is for you. And we need to understand that. So even as Paul is praying that, we, we're, we're getting this. There's not an action step here. The action step is simply sitting at his feet and knowing and pondering. When's the last time you pondered the love of Christ for you? That you, that you talked about it. Maybe you talked about it with your small group. You've got your Bibles open and, and let's just talk about it. You know, hey, 
the, the depth. Let's, let's just talk about that. Let's just fill in the blank. What, is, what does this mean, the breadth? You start going around the room or you're having fellowship with, uh, with others. It's, it's good for us to have fellowship around these things. Yeah, it's great for us to connect and know the different things that are going on. But there's something that happens when the saints fellowship about Jesus and they're talking about the things that he's done. There's, there's this energy that starts to happen and, and we get excited and we realize what Christ has done. I love it when, when we're in small group and someone's sharing their testimony. You know, someone's sharing about their life and then their but God story, but God, and you're just kind of waiting for it. And you're like, wow, that was really awesome how that happened. And this is how God's changed them. And you're just all excited and you're excited just because of what Christ has done. So let's commit as, as we fellowship with one another to just talk about these things. Be reminded, pray for one another these things that we would grow deeper. This is a wonderful prayer to pray for your kids, to pray for your loved ones. Pray that God does this. My prayer has been this week that God would do this. In the prayer meeting this morning, we would pray that God would do this in our church, that we would know we have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Because when we grasp it, we will live a transformed life. We will, because we'll be undone. When, when we grasp the love that Christ has for us, we're like, oh yeah, yeah, that person just did something that was really rude. You know, they, they obviously don't get what Christ has done. Man, I'm so glad what Christ has done. It gives us the ability to be patient with others. It gives us the ability to forgive others. And we understand the, the depths of what Christ did so that we could have relationship with God, that we are now in God's family. Oh, you know what? I've been forgiven so much. I'm going to forgive. And then he, he kind of lands the plane a little bit with a prayer to say that we will be filled with all the fullness of God. I don't fully grasp what that means. Like, sometimes I think that's what happened to, to Enoch in the Old Testament, right? You, you know that story. He walked with God and he was not. Like, was he walking with God and then all of a sudden he got filled with the fullness of God and pff, like he was, he was done because he just, he just took it all in and his body couldn't take it. No, God wants us the strength that he supplies to, to, to understand his grace. So that is just to take in the magnitude of his grace. So as we go to pray, loved ones, let's pray that we would have strength, that we would understand what Christ has done. That we understand the depths of what Christ has done, the love that he has shared with us. And let us, let us remember our God who we are praying to. Look at verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now you could read that really quickly and be like, yep, Paul's just wrapping it up. You know, that's, that's his job, you know, wrapping it up. We've had kind of a big prayer time and someone needs to wrap it up. That's, that's really some great words. But, but when we go to pray, pray knowing that our God has 
limitless ability to answer prayer. Limitless ability to answer prayer. Let's ponder some of those words just briefly. Like our God is able. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly. So, so God's able to work. Let's just kind of start there. God's able to work. He's able to do it. He's not lazy sitting on the couch going, oh, I missed that. Sorry. I know you had something going on. I was busy. No, he is, he's always working. He's not, he's not dead. You know, that you may have seen God's, God is dead. No, the guy who wrote that is dead. God is not dead. And our God is able to do what we ask. He's all powerful to answer prayer. But he's not able to just do what we ask. He's not constrained by us just asking. He's able to do all that we think. I know when you go to pray, sometimes you ever feel like, I don't know if I should ask for that. That seems kind of selfish. Or I don't know if I can go there. That's like a lot. Or I don't know. He's able to do all that we ask or think because he knows our thoughts, even the things that we can't, we're, we're too afraid to even imagine. But he's able to do even more than that. Even more than that, a super abundance, abundantly more than that. His blessing is greater than our desire to ask for blessing. When we think about that, you think about your life. How many things have you received that you did not ask for? You look at some relationships that you have or something that God gave you that you didn't, you didn't even think about, to, you didn't even know how to think about what you needed. You showed up at a situation in your life, God provided what you needed. You didn't even know what you were going to need to even know to ask what to do, and God blessed you. He's showing you, yeah, I, I provide even beyond what you can ask or imagine because he's a generous God. He's a generous God. We don't have to reach for it. We just sit at his feet. Know this is the God that we approach when we go to pray. He's a God who loved us enough to send his son. He is able. And it says that he can do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. God is at work in you. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power working in you, walking with you so that you will endure to the end to strengthen you, to help you. That is at work in you and the God of the universe loves you. And he wants to meet with you in prayer. He wants you to have intimacy. Do you, do you feel that longing? I feel more intimately. The older I get, maybe it's because the weaker I get, I just can't muscle it out. But I'm finding intimacy with Christ satisfies far more than getting all the things done for Jesus that I thought I needed to do. God wants us to meet with him. He wants us to slow down and be humble. He wants us to grasp what's, what we've already received. So the things Paul's praying for, he's 
talked for two and a half chapters of what we have received. We've already received it. Okay, Lord, give them the strength to comprehend it. So why don't we take some time right now to encounter God, to spend time with God. Now, we're not going to do it for a long time. Jonathan's just going to play some music in the background because I get like absolute silence is hard. But what I want you to do, now you don't have to do this. I'm not going to force anyone to pray. You can just stay in your seat. But if you have a phone with you, I want you to pull it out and I want you to power it off. I want you to power it off. So get your phone out and power, power it off. Like for five minutes, it's, it's okay. Like I think the world will continue to rotate if your phone is off for five minutes. And I've, I've asked some ushers to, um, to grab some Bibles. So if you don't have a paper Bible with you, I want you to just kind of raise your hand and flag them down, and they're going to give you a paper Bible so that you can have this passage open to, to you as we go to pray. Now, I get it. Right now, as I'm... As I'm talking about this, I go like, okay, this is just getting awkward. Yeah, I get everybody's going to be doing it, okay? Everybody in the room, we're not going to be looking around. If you need a paper Bible, just raise your hand. And hey, if you don't have a paper Bible at home and you want one, you take this home as a gift. Uh, But just have the Bible open, open to Ephesians chapter 3 to this passage. And Jonathan, you can go ahead and play some music. And as we go to pray, this is just for you, you and the Lord. Now, I get it feels awkward. I don't know what it is. If, if we were in a place like uh, Liberia or India or Korea, like everyone there thinks it's like just totally normal to be praying out loud with everybody in, in the room, you know, having, having a prayer time. Um, but, you know, we're Americans, so we just kind of, we don't want anyone looking at us. <laughs> so, so don't look at everybody else. Just, you've got your Bible in front of you. And let's just take a few minutes uh, and, and get before the Lord and pray these words. Use these as a guide for, for you. Start, start by just coming before the Lord and, and thanking him for these words and maybe asking him for forgiveness if, if you're like, yeah, I, Lord, I've not been dependent on you. And he wants to hear that from you because he wants to bless you and then ask God to do these things in you and and pick at least one person and pray these words. Sense the power of praying these words for someone. If you're kind of like wondering, I've, I've not known what to pray for that child that I have that's just not walking with God. Well, you know, these words, if, if God would do this, it would change everything. Lord, I don't know what I want, what, what, what is it you want me to do in my life? Well, you know, if you, if you grasp these, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and, and mind in Christ Jesus until he makes kind of clear the step you need to take. But there'll be peace that'll be there. Solves everything. So let's just take a few minutes individually. If you want to bow your knees, now we're not looking around the room. Uh, the people who, who stay seated uh, aren't less spiritual than the people who get on their knees. But if you want to get on your knees, we got space. Get on your knees. And, and we're going to pray. And again, no, no pressure. If you don't want to, maybe just close your eyes. You know, 
but let's just take some time and engage with the Lord with this text in front of us. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That according to the riches of your glory, Father, you may grant us to be strengthened with power through your Spirit in our inner being. That Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. That you that we, Lord, would be rooted and grounded in love and may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Fill us, Lord, with your fullness to the degree that we can take it in. Overwhelm us. Lord, now to you, who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To you, Lord, be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Amen. Well, friends, why don't we stand and respond in song? Jesus. 
Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Holy, there is no one like you, there is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder, show me who you are and feel me with your heart and leave me in your love to those around me. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one you could ever say. Every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Oh, we live for you. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes. Yeah. 
God is good, isn't he? He loves us. You need to look no further than the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ to know that he loves you. You, you are love, church. We don't just say that at the end of our services because it sounds really nice and warm. Like it's the most profound truth ever. As we go to pray to him, he's not having us go like we're, we're, we're trying to get just a little bit of candy out of the piñata. No, God wants us to settle our hearts and reflect upon what Christ has done. And, and when we do that, actually our, our eyes open and we realize we're actually sitting on the pile of the goodies because we've been purchased by his blood. We are in his family. The riches of his grace are gonna be lavished upon us and we are gonna spend eternity with him. And we need to remind each other of these truths. Now, this morning as we prayed, that might have been the first time you ever prayed. It may be the first time you've done it in a month. That's okay. God's going to answer this prayer if you pray it in ways that you never imagined because he can do exceedingly and abundantly beyond all that you can ask or think. I think, friends, as we leave here, we're going to know from looking in God's word that we are loved. Have a great Sunday afternoon. You're dismissed.